0: Welcome to Deep Well Astrology. I'm Allison Disler, a psychological astrologer and somatic educator, and in this podcast we'll explore how astrology can illuminate our embodied consciousness and nourish our soul. A sweet end of April greetings, everyone. Today at the recording of this podcast, it's Friday, April 28th, the last Friday of this month, and it is a potent portal place between our two spring eclipses. I feel like I'm just kind of sliding in here. So heads up for those who are following the eclipse cycle, we'll have our next one on Friday, May 5th, which is a lunar eclipse in Scorpio, while we had a solar eclipse back on Thursday, April 20th. And that was our first initiation point into this 18 month or so eclipse cycle you know 18 months to two years that will start to occur on the aries and libra axis so about every 18 months or so the wheel of the eclipses kind of turn and it highlights different parts of our natal chart so in short what i would do if i'm brand new to eclipses is just take a look at my natal chart get a printout look online and see what house aries represents for you so that last solar eclipse moved into your house your aries house any inklings of new chapters or new beginnings new entry points or just energy or increases in the aries section of your chart there's been some other things in the Aries section of our chart for the last couple of months. We've had a Jupiter transit through there. And of course, we just came out of Aries season. So it's not a new house to be activated or illuminated. But the eclipse points usually turn in and start to bring more energy into some people call major new beginnings, major endings. So um, just see what, what's going on in that house in this last month. And what do you think might be the storyline over these 18 months or so? So this is a new beginning and also with new beginnings often comes endings or decreases or having to let other things go in order to begin something new. So if you can remember back to May of last year, May of 2022, we had a lunar eclipse in Scorpio already and then we had a solar eclipse in Scorpio in October of last year so finally here we are coming up on may 5th which is a final lunar eclipse in scorpio so this is a like the tail end of the eclipses going on in scorpio which had been happening over the past 18 months so this house of your chart has been familiar with the eclipse energy over this last year year and a half with the transiting south node steadily moving through your scorpio house so perhaps some of us will connect with this eclipse, this Scorpio eclipse on May 5th, as a final part or a final closure, or an ending, or a letting go or a decrease. is something that's finishing up this last little bit of letting go in the Scorpio part of our house that we've been working on over this last 18 months. So... Again, if you are new to eclipses, there's so much to remember and learn in astrology. And what I might do and what I like to do at the beginning of each year is just look you know, look online and write out eclipses for 2023. And then just get the dates and then get the houses uh, or the signs that the eclipse are happening in. And then you can make a note of that in your journal or on your astrology chart and just follow it and see How they affect you, and if you're noticing any major new beginnings or endings in those houses that the eclipses are happening in. As a general rule of thumb, the north node, this is very broad, the north node is associated with increase or new starts or beginnings, increases, and the south node indicates decreases or endings. You know, you might be able to come up with some other words that correlate with beginnings and endings or increases and decreases or gains and losses. We are also in this little window time in full Mercury retrograde in Taurus. Today, this Friday, right now, Mercury is at 14 degrees Taurus and moving on back until about May 14th when it stations direct slowly at five degrees Taurus. So I think it's really funny right now that even just going through the numbers of this month, We have the number 5 and the number 14 coming up a lot. And I do believe on May 5th we will have that eclipse at 14 degrees Scorpio. So what that means is if you've got anything in the fixed signs between 5 and 14 degrees, we'll call it the midsection of the fixed signs. It just means that there is some conglomerate energy, the nodes and Mercury retrograde, hanging out in the middle part of those uh, signs, and they'll either be conjunct or square, whatever planets you've got in the middle of your fixed signs. So this end of April introduces us to some unsteady times in our least unsteady loving sign, which is Taurus, Taurus season. And what's even more curious is that all the while we've got this going on with the Mercury retrograde in Taurus and the lunar eclipse in Scorpio, we still got Uranus at 18 degrees Taurus. Uranus as an archetype, I like to refer to as uh, the unsteadier, the surprise maker, the change of direction, or the innovator, the lightning bolt. So once again, Uranus isn't new in Taurus, it's been there a while, but it's still hanging out around where we're getting all of this end of April energy. And Uranus by its nature is something that shifts and changes directions in a surprising way. So amidst the retrograde and the eclipses, the new beginnings and endings, surprise may fall into this, um, the mix, the concoction of this time. The good news is I think that many of us, especially our fixed placement people, have learned how to kind of surf or adjust to unsteadiness. This isn't new for us. And how to find ways to go with emergent change or collaborate or even innovate amidst shaky situations. The next week or two may feel like more of this sort of as a recalibration time maybe having to re-edit some things maybe some surprises coming up and and just surfing with that we don't want to expect things to be solid and steady in a time where the universe isn't really supporting that archetypally or symbolically i am also delighted to be wrapping up this final episode on the astrology of embodiment going through all the rising signs Today we'll go through the last two rising signs, and I'm naming these rising signs, the life givers, you are Leo, and cancer rising folks. I wanted to put the episode of the steward and the life givers close together to study them a bit through contrast. Last episode we talked about Libra and Taurus rising folks as the stewards, with their planetary ruler being Venus. So in your mind, if you think about it, what's the difference between being a steward and being a life giver? You might even write those words down and just kind of jot it down. Another word I equate with steward to steward is to nurture. This is the action of curating or cultivating. Now, in my mind, when I think of the word life-giver, I think also of the word generating or creating or facilitating. There is something initiating or initiatory due to the expressiveness about giving life or being a, quote, birther. I can't help but think about birth when I think about life-giving. Leo and Cancer rising are unique as rising signs because instead of having a planetary ruler, they're ruled by a luminary. Leo is ruled by the sun, which generates light for us during the day. Cancer is ruled by the moon, which generates light for us at night through its luminous, reflective quality. Both luminaries are generous and light offering. The sun generates its own light, it's amazingly central and enduring. And it's the same way that the moon is. The moon is also central to our mythology and our concept of being an embodied being in this world. The moon also offers light via reflecting the sun. The sunlight allows all things to grow. The moonlight allows many things to grow, but also things to open. When I was working as a doula, I also worked with children. I think we got into the moon at that time. Uh, because we would see patterns of groups of children at our school uh, really resonating with the energy of the moon. And as far as being involved in the birth community, there was an informal study of many women who would be giving birth at full moon. And many people giving birth at night. Of course, there's births during the day and at other times, but there's just a different kind of night energy around the full moon and around the energy of the night when things have a chance to open when we don't have that direct light shining on us. Um, I could talk a lot more about birth, maybe in another episode, how it correlates with with the moon. So many women do give birth at night or at least in a darker spot and other animals will find dark spots to both give birth and to pass on and to die. There are animals who are ruled by the night light and much hunting activity has happened at night. It still does in the creature world, but in early human ancestry, the some of the hunting also happened at night. It's a quieter time. So if you have Leo rising, your planetary ruler is the sun. If you have Cancer rising, your planetary ruler or guide is the moon. In this journey of embodiment, or as I've been naming it, the conscious and continual process of stewarding a home for the soul, so that we may come to understand our true nature. Astrology can play an important part to help us look into what our own essential nature or qualities are, and what is our character strategy or our adaptive self. In Hakomi, or the Hakomi Method of Mindfulness-Based Assisted Self-Discovery, we studied life as having two selves, so human life having two selves. Well, sometimes you could also think of three if you would include the child self, but we never talked about the self as the three parts, which is an interesting correlation with some philosophies about the Trinity or this, this three aspect. But for purposes of this, let's think about the two selves. According to the way of the two selves, the way that they play out is that we have both a witnessing self and an adaptive self. The witnessing self is the one who perceives and co-creates the character strategy. The character strategy is the adaptive self. It is the thing that we project that moves around due to what we have perceived over time. From an astrological point of view, the character strategy or the adaptive self can be found through the planetary placements in our natal chart. Our Venus placement moon Saturn and how these archetypes and placements intermingle with each other and the elements of life So called coming at us. So life Comes at us. I mean it doesn't really but think of it like this life comes at us. We adapt around it depending on our planetary signatures we have predispositions towards looking for certain things responding in that way synthesizing in this way having a barrier in this department of life. So we have all of those things put together, it becomes our adaptive self. The planetary placements show us our likely strategies and disposition of character. If we are called towards alchemy or temperance of character, we can study our character through astrology. Um, We can study our character in other departments too. I mean, it can be in self-growth or psychology. Astrology is just one way. Another layer of our self is our witnessing self, which is a different than our character or adaptive self. The witnesser is the perceiver. It is the part of our self that perceives. This is conscious perception of what is occurring and can be felt in ourselves and in our friends and other people as the sort of how we are, the way we are, the total tone of our being. Everybody's got an energy about them. It's easy to pick it up when we're just meeting someone there's the things that people do say and how their character is but there's also the general tone or tonal layer this is represented by the witnessing self and there is the part of us that perceives and the part of us that adapts what i'm suggesting which is the theory or this idea of why i'm doing the podcast is suggesting that our witnessing self, our perceiving self, is not actually a blank slate. That it has a tone, a motivation, or a hue to it coming in, or a, quote, pre-movement. We all have pre-movements of perception that occur before things are even perceived or taken in. So I'm suggesting we can study that motivation, the motivational tone of the whole being through the rising sign and the planetary ruler, along with elemental balance. So, you Leo in Cancer Rising, see if that rings true for you. See if it rings true if the overall tone or motivation or hue or the way you look or listen in the world has a subtle, all pervasive motivation around life giving or giving life to or generating life. You might look at other people who are Leo in Cancer Rising and just study that for yourself. Is there You know, they've got a character. There's different characters. But is there a common thread that you've noticed between Cancer and Leo rising, people with luminaries as planetary guides or rulers? Is it correlated with life-giving, birthing, or generating? So this is fun to look at, and I invite that study for all of us. This is the most broad, brushstroke we can take i think if we look at embodiment and psychological uh, body-mind connection is looking at the tone of the witnessing self or the general energetic tone or the hue of us we can then look more specifically into the chart and look at what areas life givers tend to gravitate towards or focus we can see that through the placement of the planetary ruler in the birth chart For example, if you're a Leo rising with the sun in the fourth house, you may carry a hue or a motivation to give life, a lot of life in realms of the fourth house topics, which are generally home and private life, where you live, your father line or parents or ancestry, and the idea of homing or building home. You may have a gift of seeing or noticing or feeling how to bring life or give life into spaces for yourself and others with a big generous energy. Homing. As far as embodiment goes, it is important to affirm that a Leo and Cancer Risings essential qualities are about giving life. Generating. Leo, perhaps archetypally in a more sun-like, outward life-giving way, Cancer, perhaps archetypally, in a more relational, familial, or emotional moon kind of intermingling sense. Another way that we can wonder about these embodiments and astrological questions is by looking at the elemental balance of a chart. Remember, each of us is a blend of elements, and in astrology, the elements are fire, water, air, and earth. For instructive purposes, remember looking at your chart and then looking at your dominant element and what's your least dominant element or do you have kind of a blend if you don't know go to something like astro.com or whatever app you're using or program for your chart look at your natal chart and then go to this little box at the bottom of the chart it'll have symbols f e a w it stands for the elements and they're also in color if you're looking online And I typically use the seven visible luminaries and planets, which are Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter. But if you want to use all the planets, you can study that for yourself. So you'll be able to see right away. Some of us have big energy in one element or one color. And some of us are very dispersed. We've got like one thing in every little box what is your elemental balance if you are a Leo or Cancer rising also jot down what element is most dominant in your chart archetypally Leo rising with planetary ruler of the sun is a fixed fire sign remember some essential qualities of fire They are expression, generative, self centered, and intuitive. In contrast, Cancer is a cardinal water sign, and water is an element that is associated with feeling or emotion, nonverbalness, flowing, and being communal in nature. I think it's important to think about the elements fire and water both being generative or life giving in different kinds of ways, but if we think about rising signs as associated with our first house and our embodied tone or motivational undertone, sort of the how of us, the way of Leo and Cancer rising are different in the way that they approach life-giving, fundamentally Leo being expressive, Cancer being reflective. In general, sensory relationship with reality is different for these two rising signs. So consider whether Leo rising has more a tendency to generate life by its outward shining, its outwardness, its external engagement and shining into the world. And you might consider Cancer rising where it's the sensory process is more reflective That there is a taking in or a receptive style maybe more internal organization with an inquiry around giving life to the internal world the, the watery interconnected networks of life it might be interesting to continue to develop a dialogue around this primary questing or questioning process of each rising sign so say If Scorpio and Aries rising folks are looking subtly out into the sensory field to see, what can I push? What can I drive? Would it be true that Leo and Cancer are looking out subtly into this field of perception to say, where can I generate life? Where can I bring life? Creation or generation of life or world creating incorporates all the basic developmental movement patterns Pushing, pulling, yielding, and reaching. In fact, this kind of gesture, birth or creation, is a synthesis of all of these motions, these primary motions, and it also takes in the dimension of timing into account. It makes me think of a friend with a high Leo content in their chart that's also a stand-up comedian. It was fascinating to watch the creation process of this person refining jokes and material and then the dynamics of performance which takes creation to another level that includes needing to be in correlation with an audience in the element of time and delivery what a dynamic process of creation if there's too much push or pull too much yielding or reaching it puts a joke out of balance i think this is true for all creative arts and or music playing With the elements of basic movement there's also this need to be in relationship with time and space so back to the luminaries timing and position are key if the sun pushes or reaches it could destroy all life i would suggest that these rising signs cancer and leo beyond being oriented to the world Of in a life-generating way are also engaging with reality and a need for constant dynamic balance, a consistency of movement that yield best elemental balance and have all of the primary movements available. Even though Libra is often associated with balance, it's the Leo and Cancer rising folks where balance is actually fundamentally part of the life-generating process so there's a difference between balance being important and um and part of a internal balance and balance being critical to the function so when it comes to elemental balance in the whole balance of the chart which is a gesture of working to balance fire air water earth and our way that we carry that forward in our embodiment. I think that Leo and Cancer Rising have a fundamental relationship, an important relationship and opportunity with this kind of synthesis, along with being aware of the dimensions of space and time. Leo, with a lot of fire dominance, is like a scorching sun that's too close to sustain life, it's burning. A cancer rising that is flooded with high water elementals is akin to a several week flood. These powerful elements need support and bolstering from equal and opposite elements. So we've already alluded to this a little bit with our extreme examples here. So let's look at a less extreme chart example. This is a hypothetical chart. Um If you do have this chart, give me an email. It'd be amazing if one of these hypothetical charts was actually the chart of somebody. So this hypothetical chart is cancer rising. So think about that. Say this person has a cancer rising with a moon in Leo, Sun, Mercury, and Venus in Virgo, Mars in Scorpio, and Saturn and Jupiter in Libra. What we do is count up the elements, those seven elements first. This would yield three earth elements, two air elements, one water, and one fire, plus the Cancer rising. With Cancer rising, that would make the moon in Leo, which is a fire sign, the chart ruler or navigator. And then we'd know that we'd have to count around, you know, look at the chart. If we have cancer rising, even without looking at the chart, we could count around and then find out what house that moon is in and that department of life would be that place where life giving is quite important or it it um has a lot of energy. Since fire and water in this chart are tied with the least dominant element but both are represented by the Cancer rising and Leo moon, I would first assess that the owner of this chart to be able to access all of the elemental attributes. And when speaking with this person, we might directly talk about whether they feel like they have access to each one of those elements. And if they don't, we might bring up one of those planets in the chart just to talk about because it's already in the chart and we are able to reference it. And when speaking with this person, we may directly talk about the importance of elemental balance or name specific examples where each element is felt. If this hypothetical person already had a good balance, what we might do then is just make an elemental flow chart or four square boxes and put each element in a box and just list what practical and actual embodied people places and events cultivate or support that element you might revisit this elemental balance quarterly to help make daily life adjustments to facilitate balance so i would suggest this for anyone for leo and cancer rising people i would suggest going ahead and doing this right away and then if you are cancer or leo rising and you have a lot of libra placements I think this kind of exercise in revisiting this, this writing, this boxing, this balance is critical to your sense of harmony in yourself. Remember, it's not easier for folks who have a clearer dominant element and least dominant element. It's just different to monitor and ascertain and connect with that inherent balance. So we have to bring in different strategies if you don't have an element already present in your chart. Also, inherent balance does not mean doing nothing to balance your biome, meaning everything's fine so you don't have to do anything. It just indicates that you do have access to elementals in your character composition. But if you have access, you still need to steward the lifestyle, environment, or conditions to evoke each element. Our modern landscapes and environments don't always naturally yield themselves to access all elemental components. And some of us with a good elemental balance inherently may live in an environment that inflames or dries out our need for water, for example. You may live in an area that is very compact and busy. It may be very concretized. You may be dealing a lot with hard surfaces, but the element of air, like with things being close together, you don't have access to the element of air as much as someone living Out in the desert or somewhere far away where there's a lot of spatial elements, you really have to consider is where you're living in the environment you're in, cultivating all of the elements for you. So do you have access to all of them? Which brings us round to the fundamental principle of embodiment, which is consistent and constant process of stewarding a home for the soul in our lived body so that we may come to understand our true nature. So we don't have anything inherently permanent in us, nor in the environment. So this constant process of feeling, assessing, noticing when we're dried out, when we have too much saturation in ourselves, when we're too fiery, when we have inflammation or aggression, or we feel hot and bothered, or when we feel cold and lethargic, some of that stuff is happening within us, but a lot of it is environmental, and that's where we have agency. So we are the ones who are facilitating our process of comfort and embodiment and ability in environment and in reality. So thank you for tuning into this whole series of Astrology and Embodiment. In the coming weeks, I'm going to take a short refreshment break to gather new materials and inspiration for the next podcast cycle. And there's going to be a lot more to come on this topic, this emergent topic of Astrology and Embodiment. Until next time, breathe deep, linger long.